Hello, my name is Paul Bennett. Welcome to my humble diatribe for the day. Have you ever lived with a dog? If so, you know that a dog is never confused about food. Food is something on which a dog is supremely focused and about which it thinks with laser clarity. When do I eat next is the question uppermost in a dog's mind. One day, I managed to confuse my wife's guide dog Jefferson so thoroughly that his pained expression of puzzlement is permanently etched in my memory. I just have to tell you about it. For dogs, eating is a ritual. There is an invariable sequence of steps that goes into preparing, serving, and consuming a dog's meal. Dogs are finely attuned to such rituals and take comfort from their predictability and repeatability. For example, at home, Jefferson eats at 5 o'clock in the afternoon. That's 5 o'clock sharp. The ritual goes as follows. Sometime a little after 4 in the afternoon, Jefferson processes grandly into whichever room I am in, shakes his head back and forth to make sure that I hear him, then plunks himself down noisily, usually with an exclamatory grunt, as close to me as he can get. This usually means beneath my desk, sometimes on my feet, just so I won't miss him. At around 4.30 he will sit up and begin to poke at me with his cold, wet, very insistent nose. This is my cue to ask Siri to set an alarm for 16.58, two minutes before Jefferson's mealtime. Once Jefferson has heard me set the alarm, he resumes a resting pose, confident that I will not miss his dinner time. On the first note of the alarm, Jefferson is instantly on his feet, heading for the door as he looks over his shoulder inquiringly at me. Are you coming, seems to be the question he has in mind. The subtext is probably something along the lines of, This is our sacred mealtime ritual. Don't screw it up. I get up from whatever I've been doing and proceed to the kitchen sink from which I retrieve his dish. I go over to where his food is stored and scoop measured portions from the food bin into his bowl. Then I return to the sink to add water, then go back to where his food is stored, still holding his dish in my hands. Seeing me standing there with his dish, Jefferson sits down. Once Jefferson is seated, I place the bowl on the floor. Seeing me standing there with his dish, Jefferson sits down. Once Jefferson is seated, I place the bowl on the floor. Jefferson waits as I check my watch. At exactly 1,700 hours, I say, go ahead, Jefferson, and he eats for the next two and a half minutes or so. I return to whatever I had been doing before the alarm sounded. Once finished, Jefferson comes to me and pokes excitedly at me, wagging his tail vigorously. Although I certainly can't be sure, it certainly seems that Jefferson is expressing appreciation. So that's the way it's supposed to work. The way it almost always works. Until recently, when the whole thing went to hell, at least for a day.
You see, I had been out on one of my bi-weekly grocery shopping trips. During the previous week, Penny and I had discussed the possibility of making chocolate chip cookies. She indicated that she had no chocolate chips in the house. So here I was shopping. I could fix that little problem. So I did. I bought a small, the only size I could get, package of chocolate chips. Penny would have no further excuses. <laughs> Frankly, I bought the chocolate chips more as a jest than anything and promptly forgot about them. Penny didn't, though, and that's when the fun started. I was laboring away in my office one day with Jefferson lying on the floor between me and my office door. All of a sudden, I heard the telltale notes of Ceres' alarm. Not thinking, I closed the document I had been working on, got up, and turned for the door, almost tripping over poor Jefferson, looking up at me, somewhat puzzled. That should have been my first clue. Usually, Jefferson would be at the door, anxiously checking that I was following him, rather than lollygagging on the floor. I guess my mind was still in whatever I had been working on. I said, Come on, Jefferson, that's for us. He got to his feet and followed me to the kitchen. I went through the familiar routine. I got his dish from the kitchen sink, brought it over to where we store his food, measured his food into his dish, walked back to the sink and added the appropriate amount of water. It was as I was walking from the sink back to the spot where I was about to serve Jefferson his meal that I happened to check the time. It was barely after four o'clock. I must have missed it the first time because I remember thinking, wait a minute, that can't be right, before checking my watch again, only to realize that it was definitely nowhere near time for Jefferson to eat. I looked at Jefferson, sitting in anticipation of his supper, and said, I'm sorry, boy, I think I messed up, before finding a spot on the counter to bark his full dish until his proper meal time. Well, from Jefferson's point of view, this was not the way things were supposed to work. I was supposed to put his dish on the floor and tell him when he was allowed to eat it. What was I doing putting his ready supper on the counter? That's when I caught sight of the look of perplexity carved into his face. Eyebrows raised, eyes wide, focused on my apparently deranged self. Mouth slightly agape, head tilted. His appearance in that moment not only locked itself in my mind, as I have said earlier, it also jolted me into wondering why the serial alarm had misled me into thinking it nearly Jefferson's mealtime. That was about when Penny bustled into the kitchen, headed straight to the oven, opened it, and asked my opinion as to the state of the chocolate chip cookies baking in the oven. Now it clicked into place. It was Penny who had set the Siri timer. As it turned out, I opine that the cookies weren't quite ready. The puzzle now being solved, I headed back to my office with a mightily peeved and still unfed Jefferson in close proximity. It felt like I had only re-immersed myself in my work for a couple of minutes when we again heard Siri's alarm. 
Jefferson and I looked at one another. His claws digging into the carpet, ready to leap to his feet at the slightest indication that I might now feed him, but unwilling to be taken for a fool a second time. Having learned my lesson, I checked my watch, cleverly saving myself another futile trip to the kitchen. Penny had reset the timer to allow the cookies a few more minutes to bake. No, not this time, I told Jefferson. No sooner had I resumed work, Penny asked for my help in reassessing the cookies and removing them from the oven so that they could cool. Now, Jefferson was annoyed. I had come to the kitchen twice, prepared his food once, and fed him not at all. He must have wondered if senility had set into my addled brain. Realizing that Penny was now finished with her baking, I reset the alarm for the usual 1658, assuring Jefferson that I would make one more trip to the kitchen at the appointed hour. His loud grunt was particularly eloquent as he flopped to my office carpet in complete disgruntlement from the precipitous height of about 16 inches. Apparently, though, he was somewhat mollified, knowing that I had reset the alarm. When it did go off, I did not move quite as swiftly as I might otherwise, as his meal preparation was already done. Otherwise, his meal went off as normal, at the normally scheduled hour. Jefferson made no complaints that his meal, which had now been standing in water for some tens of minutes, was rather soggier than would be the norm. It just goes to show you that to really confuse a dog about his food takes a man. And to really confuse a man takes a woman, especially one baking chocolate chip cookies. And that is my humble diatribe for the day. <laughs>